Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon. Watch Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 1, Winterfell. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. You can find me on the internet as Lies and Arbor on Twitter, Tumblr, and at liesandarborgold.com. And I'm another one of your hosts, Eliana. And you might know me as Glass Table Girl on the A Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, on the Maester Monthly podcast, maybe on Twitter as Arithmetric. Wow, okay, Daenerys. <laughs> With your titles. Wait, indeed, you know. I'm just kidding. I have like 10 more and you know me. I've cut breaker them down. Breaker of chains. And by that, I mean comment threads. Yeah, breaker of comment threads. I like yeah, that. I like thank that. Thank you. Thank you. The unturned. So this is our first show episode. We wanted to branch out because it is our last chance to do that as the season starts. Our last and only as a uh, as a podcast. So welcome. If, last dance. If you're new, welcome to listening to us. If you're uh, old, welcome to listening to us. We don't discriminate. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, welcome everyone. Yeah, so as Chloe said, like this is it. I mean, like this is the end of an era. I'm going to talk about the time that I was in the bathroom earlier today and I was like, wow. This was a once in a lifetime moment, you guys. Like this, th- these last four years, I've met so many friends through this. Like this has just been like a beautiful journey of all of us together. I was. You were thinking this on the toilet. <laughs> I was pretty emotional. I just wanted to make sure that was the part that you it, led with. You yes, know I know, and I just want people to know that that's where it started. <laughs> and then you know, I went and I washed my hands, and I was still like, kind of like, wow feelings lots of feelings in that moment yeah well i didn't i i was sick this weekend i was very sick i had a little bit of a flu bug so i kind of was dead all weekend so come sunday night I, you know we all have traditions my tradition is like i choose a booze for the night we like make a special booze a special dinner whatever a bunch of friends from an old work we used to get together and do like a sangria a different kind of sangria every week Ooh. and make a certain type of food and like it was just a fun it was a fun thing, a ritual. So we always do something like that. Get some food, some takeout, uh, make it a night, watch a couple episodes before, get in the mood, do something funny for a pre-show photo. And of course, live tweeting. That's like a, that's the Super Bowl here in my household. Oh, I am too busy. I don't know. I feel like I just don't live tweet while watching that much just because I don't know. I, I want to be in the moment to watch everything. And also, I think it would really annoy everyone else that i was watching with oh. yeah <laughs> yeah i got you thankfully uh i live in a a co game of thrones live tweet household so. yeah but even if i like invite people over then i just like seem like a butt like a total jerk i get you i don't have friends oh. here so. you, you have friends it's all just of us. us it's us and the cats it's literally us exactly i have all of us which are on the internet yeah so you see the live tweeting for some of us, Eliana, that don't have real friends. Uh, <laughs> once in a lifetime. This moment. Once in a lifetime. Right here. Oh my god. So where did where did we leave off? We left off, what, season seven, episode seven. We had the big finale of the dragon and the wolf before we got to season eight, episode one. Yes. So we left off in season seven, episode seven. 
Um, I'm, we're just gonna sum it up real quick because there's a fucking recap at the beginning of every season that tells you what happened, and that's there for a reason, alright? But basically, there are sex. Uh, people's parents are revealed. There's, like, this dragon. It's undead. And then the wall comes down. Oh, yeah, and, um, um, the, the bye-bye Burby. Goodbye, little finger. Yes, little oh, burb. yes, the most important part. The best I mean, part of season not that seven. Anyone, Made no sense. But. Not that anyone acknowledges it in this episode. You'd think that everyone would show up and be like, hey, where's um the nominal Lord of the Riverlands and slash Roharon Hall and kind of like Lord of, of the, the Vale? Yeah, where, where is he, everyone? Littlefinger can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because he's dead. Ooh! <laughs> yeah, you like that? Do? That's the first yeah. T-Swift ref. Only, yeah. only step one. I Step think we one. should the start first. weaving in more Carly Rae Jepsen references also. I'm going to throw that out there just because she's got a bunch of great hits coming out this year. Okay, well, I can give it to management of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Please send it to Alison the cat, our producer. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I will let her know and I will try to keep it out of Jahiris's little paws because you know how marketing is. It's just, uh, it's, they get a little crazy these days. They really do. In that department. They really do. <laughs> We should really hire not cats for this. <laughs> we should have hired dogs. Should have hired dragons. <laughs> Everyone loves dragons. Yeah. They do everything dogs do, I guess, and horses, and they fly. We'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> also, oh my god, flying horses. Also, I really like the preview for Euphoria. Uh, it's gonna star Zendaya, and I love her so much. And I'm very excited for it. I just want to throw that out there because something at least is starting on HBO because all of the other shows that I love are ending, like Broad City, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, oh, Jane the Virgin, um, Veep. I, there's, it's an yeah. era. An era of shows. I guess there's time. another show that I like that's ending. Yeah, Broad City's over. <laughs> it's you know, just Broad like... City. <laughs> that's yeah. all I like about those. I, I tried to get into Ex-Girlfriend. It's not for me. I understand. I, I could try again. I haven't gotten there yet. Jane the Virgin, I just haven't given it enough time. I like it. I just haven't gotten into it I was it actually yet. really frustrated with some of Jane's character in the first few seasons, but they've done so much to grow her character. I talk about actually this show with um, Ashea from history of westeros but like they've done so much great stuff it's so self like it's such a self-conscious show i know that that's not the show we're here to discuss sorry everyone (laughs) but like talk about like character work and emotions like i was sobbing at the end of the previous episode yeah daenerys and sansa could really take some scenes from that there's actually like things that would work i'm gonna throw it out there Maybe Amanda Pete's husband oh my God. Uh, look into it. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, let's talk about <laughs> for that. For those of you that, for those of you that are reading a bunch of different coverage for Game of Thrones, I highly, highly, highly recommend Rachel Handler from Vulture's coverage. It is fucking hysterical. Please go to it, give it comments and shares yes. and love. Uh, we'll put a link probably in this episode. We'll link it on Twitter too. Oh but it, it just had me like busting my balls laughing. Like I, I was just I could not breathe. I was laughing. It so was hard. so good. She also did like an incredible like twenty four really important questions about the OA, um, and they yes. just like go through it and they're like a new character named like Kareem who will now be referred to as Hot Kareem from henceforth. Like and they just call him Hot Kareem throughout the entire like article. But yes, the Amanda Pete's husband. Same thing. And it's great because now I understand this joke since um I was talking about Game of Thrones with my boss last week and she was all like, yeah, 
one of them is married to Amanda Peet. And I was like, oh. Apparently I never yes. kept track of that. Amanda Peet's <laughs> husband, who's very accomplished. There's also other like great stuff and we'll we'll definitely cite this article throughout. Oh that's actually God, yes. we'll that's to. actually we're commenting on that article, not this episode. We're commenting on the article commenting on the episode. <laughs> It's honestly this entire piece that we're doing for you guys is a meta piece. So enjoy. It's fucking art like that like that <laughs> we on that Night King level shit. Night King levels of art. Well, the biggest art in this episode though. Holy shit, from the start that intro. It was so good. I was so excited when I started seeing it. I was like, "Oh my god, this is different." I was like, "Oh my god, the wall's different and the colors and I was very excited. I was like, we're in the end game now. Oh, wow. That's how I felt. <laughs> oh my That's God. how I felt watching it. It tells a new story. It really does. That was meta. Uh, yeah, it tells such a new story. Just like it starts all the way in the north. It follows that White Walker path through the Broken Wall to Last Hearth to Winterfell, the Weirwood, the Great Hall to the Crypts. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's basically telling you like this is a new game, everyone. You thought this was a Game of Thrones. It's not. It's bigger Any, than it's that now. Game. Yeah, exactly. We could have called our shit that anyone's game. Honestly, they really should have called it "It's Anyone's Game" because that's who—that's what it is at this point. Yeah. Next episode is. could be called "Game On." Oh my god! <laughs> and the last episode could be "Game Over." Oh, wow! Wow, Dream that would have been amazing. Uh, it would have been like <laughs> "Game Recognized Game." That should have been an episode too. <laughs> That would be episode four or five oh. for the climax. Uh, I love the tiles turning over. They were like turning blue with ice. Yes. Right? When we traveled as they traveled. It was amazing. What a great touch. Such, so, it was so creative. I love, I've always loved that they are channeling that sort of like, it's a building board game. Um, something else that it kind of reminded me of is, I don't know if any of you have checked out the Minecraft Westeros it's so mm. detailed. Like a bunch of people have like gotten together and basically created a virtual version of Westeros. And you can go inside the buildings. Like the Red Keep has all these secret passages. It's very, oh it's very elaborate. It's very cool. I need to do that. Yeah, that sounds something I would do. Like I would like drink and do that. Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. Like, check out that effort that people put into this. I'm gonna. I like that it traveled. From there straight to King's Landing, but that has questions for me. Is that really... I mean, obviously we might see something new next episode, so maybe we'll see another... We're going to see other locations eventually, right? I mean, they have to go somewhere between Winterfell and King's Landing. Yeah, I don't know if you would technically consider it between, but it seems like the Iron Islands are definitely going to be somewhere that they go to. Yeah, or I guess they're calling them, what, Pike? Um maybe the riverlands like i would not be surprised if we do eventually come back to the trident i think the final battle should be on the trident like i hope that's where it is i think that's where it will be but then again it's anyone's game <laughs> of thrones god damn it <laughs> i was actually so stunned the first time that i was watching this through i i watched it obviously a second time in preparation but the last hearth being in the sequence i was yeah. just so excited i was like whoa Things are different. There were a couple blink if you miss blink and you miss it kind of moments, right? Like, I mean, even when they went to Last Hearth. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that they showed Last Hearth because obviously from what we know from the end of the episode, it became important. And I think that's something we'll see echoed in the books because the name is that for a reason. It's 
the name is that for a reason. It's Last Hearth. It's the last place before that bitter cold. Yes. After we head to King's Landing, they travel down below with the dragon skulls, and we have the weapon pointing at them that Kyburn made. And then they head to the throne room, which still has the Lannister, still has the Lannister sigil above it. Oh, yes. it's so good. It looked really good. Yeah, no, like, the whole thing looked amazing. Um, and, I don't know, it's just fun that they did something special as we come into the last season. Yeah, I think they really the rest showed... Because I didn't see the rest of the bands. It's it's game-changing, right? Oh, it's like a game that should have been the other... That should have been another episode the other title. Game-changer! Game game-changer would have been episode three or four with the tides oh, turn. yeah. Yeah. So there's a band that wraps around the story that we see in the beginning with that, you know, thing from the Citadel. Uh, I'm sure there's a technical term for it. I think I read it on Reddit. I just can't remember Astroglobe. Astroglobe. That's what it is. The Astroglobe. Thank you, Eliana. I'm so glad you remember these things in my time of need. You're always <laughs> there when I just need I was you. actually really late, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. On that Astroglobe, there's this band that goes around it and has a story on it. Of course, in the other seasons... It's the story of Robert's Rebellion and, you know, the War of the Five Kings. But now it's changed. The story inscribed on it has changed. We have three different stories. There's Viserion burning the wall down. There's a lion with a trout in its mouth and a direwolf being beheaded in front of castles that resemble the twins. And, of course, there are three baby dragons bursting from a mama dragon with a comet in the sky. Yeah, the implication that, as you were saying, this is a new story and thinking about how before it used to be Robert's Rebellion says something about, like, how we're ending this and starting, like, a new cycle of legends. Like, Robert's Rebellion, in many ways, was the picturesque story ending, right? To, like, we're overthrowing the horrible king. And, like, if you think about it in terms of, like, those story patterns, like how they describe the turning at Harrenhal in the books, right? They're like, oh, the dragon prince, whatever. And, like, the dragon stole the maiden. Yes. And it's a story. It's a it's a story, absolutely. And then it ends with, like, the great, the great lord became a king and married the beautiful woman. But turns out, as we know from the start of A Game of Thrones... The ending, like, life is not a song, it was all shit, but now we're starting, like, a new song, so we'll see what that bittersweet ending that we have ahead of us is. I think it's a lot like, to use a simile, uh, it's a lot like Degrassi, the next generation. Oh my god! You know, like, there's a yes. first era of Degrassi, uh, and that was Robert's Rebellion, and then there's Degrassi, the next generation, which mm -hmm. is Sansa and John and Danny and this whole entire gang. You know, it's a whole next gen. Or it's the Marauder era of Harry Potter. And now we're on the main Harry Potter books, you know? Well, uh, I'm thinking that it's kind of like Degrassi Endgame, like like in the Avengers series, because they keep saying whatever it takes. And whatever it takes, I know I can make it through. That's a thematic we're going to explore, especially in this episode. <laughs> If I should be the best I can. You know, I, I don't wish actually this was the last the time that we were going to be singing in this episode, but it's not. Oh, absolutely not. Welcome, everyone. Welcome You're probably already. Canon. Yeah, we're going to do actually a canon singing with only two of us and, and the cats. Thank God for these cats. <laughs> so we open this episode on Winterfell and we get John and Danny's royal arrival. 
with wow. all of the armies, the dragons swooping overhead. It's a it's a big show. I love they showed the small folk this time up close on the King Road, King's Road, and of course uh, the dragons swooping overhead. Hooray for a budget! I loved it. Sorry, ghost. Oh, who's ghost? Yeah, like these dragons come into Ghost's house. That's bullshit. Like, why do you think Sansa is fighting Daenerys? That's why. Yeah, she's just here. She's like, John, we cannot afford pet lizards. We don't have a fucking terrarium, okay? <laughs> we can't <laughs> even afford our dog. Yo, like, thank God our dogs are very low maintenance. All right, we don't even have to take them on walks. We should be very thankful for that. I didn't have to hire a fucking dog walker, all right? Oh my god. <laughs> but here we are. And of course, as you all know, there was a little boy and he was running to go see the royal procession. And this turned out to not be what was going on. But I actually got like little boy Benjamin vibes because it, obviously it's very much channeling Bran at the beginning of the entire series. So again, heralding that whole start of a new story, everything repeating itself. But I, I did think for a split second, I was like, are we seeing Bran's vision at the end of A Dance with Dragons? But it, it's not. No, it's not. It, it ain't that deep. It ain't that deep. To quote a person that I know and love, it, it ain't that deep. It's me. I love me. <laughs> okay, I'll go quick. But it was a nice callback to season one. And yes. we kind of get part of the scene from Arya's point of view, right? She's seeing all these people. She sees John. John doesn't see her. That was rude. Uh, he's obviously busy with his love. She sees Gendry. She's like, oh, okay. Okay. But then she sees yeah. Sandor Clegane. And I want to focus for a second because obviously I love Sandor Clegane. But what the fuck happened with that <laughs> wig? Can we? Did you see that? It's like a Sandy Brown blonde color like what what the fuck what he and jamie switched hair colors do you remember when sandor went here when he was like a character here yeah i think he was like we want frosted tips it all went awry and here we are i hate 2001 sandor so much (laughs) oh Uh, he did exist in 2001 though these books came out in 1996 they made books out of this show yeah, the show actually started in, like, 1990. Wow. This show's yeah. been going on for so long. I'm so glad <laughs> it really has. We've grown up <laughs> so much since then. I like um, also that Arya ran out into the crowd, and I kind of was remembering and longing in a way for, like, remember little Arya wearing her helmet? Yes, I love that. I miss the helmet. Ugh. It was cute. She was a cute little kid. They were so small. I've been looking at all those pictures from set production. I and know. God, God, so small. I mean, it was literally like 20 years ago when they started, pretty much. Back in, oh, not 20. That's like 30. I'm sorry. I can't do what? math. Like in 1990 when they started making this show. Oh my God. God. <laughs> so it wouldn't be an episode of Game of Thrones without a scene from Varys and Tyrion talking about balls. Um... Yep. Men wrote this episode. Um, yep. But a Lannister in a carriage. That's a, that's a season one, episode one callback. I'll give it that. It's true. It was uh, it, it, lots to focus on in this procession. I think uh, that budget expanding really did this wonders to show the roots of where we came from in season one. Yeah. We've come real far. Stay and humble. They... <laughs> They talk about it a lot as we go through all these different reunions, but first, 
We have Missandei and Grey Worm entering the north for the first time, along with the Unsullied and the Dothraki, which George apparently says is Dothraki. He's wrong. Yeah, it's Dothraki. <laughs> Sorry, George. I'm overruling you. I know it's your series, but it's not happening. You're wrong. <laughs> Uh, he has weird pronunciations. We've talked about it before, but like he originally Brienne was supposed to be different than Brienne. It was like Brienne or something. I don't know. Nope, that's wrong too. <laughs> yep, it's just wrong. Sorry, George, you're overruled. Uh, so Missandei and Grey Worm and the Unsullied and Dothraki, you can kind of like feel the way the North is looking at them. Obviously, here in this scene, and so I guess the North is kind of being painted as redneck, closed-minded racists. Is that what I'm hearing? Because they kind of are all looking at each other and staring at, like, brown people and going, ugh. It's it's a little weird. I'm confused. I don't know that there's really gonna be anything about that explored. I feel like... I don't know. It feels like that's something that was kind of explored or should have been explored more deeply earlier on, like yeah. in Season 7. And they, ta- they touched on it a little with the way that Cersei framed the Dothraki and the Unsullied as, like, foreign invaders or whatever. But... I mean, maybe they'll they'll get to it. And I mean, Danny's kids flying above don't exactly do that any favors because she brought these huge ass dragons. So like all the small folk are like, uh, and everyone in Danny's court is just uncomfortable looking. And I do want to give it to Danny that like her dragons are her source of comfort. So there's this little moment where she smiles because her kids are flying overhead. And that's kind of her only source of comfort of feeling like this foreign person in the north. Yeah, and as lo- as well as them being her kids and her power, like, for Danny, as re- is repeated in the books a couple of times, like, she thinks that these are the only family that she will ever know. Yes. That's gonna change, but for now. For now. <laughs> for now. It's just the dragons. Then we move into the courtyard. Everyone enters, and as they were waiting in season one, so they are there too. Yes, I, I like this scene a lot. Uh, yeah. John's reunion with Bran, that I got emotional. Mm-hmm. I was a little stark reunions. I'm dead. Uh, him kissing him on the forehead just killed me because last time we saw them together was him kissing him on the forehead, uh, telling him he can't die. Yes. And we just did this chapter, this John we chapter. Did. Yeah, so maybe that's why I'm emotional about it. I don't know, but it's a little fresh, a little fresh. I was also emotional about it because I'm remembering that like, John hasn't seen Bran since he woke in, as you were saying, and when he found out that Bran was going to live, even though he knew that Bran would never walk again, he was just so happy that his brother was going to live, he ran around everywhere. Yeah. He was nice to Pip and Gret about it. Yeah, which started a beautiful friendship. The fellowship. <laughs> the fellowship of the is. Targaryen ring. Oh my god. Uh, of the Astroglobe ring. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of the name of that. You're uh, we get the Winterfell is yours, your grace scene, which originally we see with Ned and Robert. This time we see it with Sansa and Daenerys. Uh, obviously Sansa did this a little reluctantly because she didn't want to just, you know, give up their hold on the North and give it away to another queen or king right away since they had just gotten it. I think Sophie acted the shit out of that. Yeah, I think she did a really good job acting it. They both did. And like Daenerys being like, oh, this is awkward. I don't know what to do but doing her best i like uh that chris watches got points out that during the hug between sansa and john they're just over there in the background you're like oh there's pod 
Just there, chilling. He's there, hanging. Brienne was there too. Blink and you'll miss her. She was like oh, just standing. Oh, I there. missed her. Exactly. She was standing real tall. I had to. Uh, I gotta look at a screenshot again. It was yeah. an interesting lineup, and also, I do want to point out there is a very sexual height difference between Sansa and Daenerys. Just putting that out there. It's my new ship. Uh-huh. I haven't told you guys about it yet. Uh, Eliana knows that I've now joined the Righteous Train, and. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was just a beautiful, you know, there could be something there. There's some heated passion under the surface. I mean, if you would all like to take a look on Twitter, I have pulled a lot of evidence for this. Yes. Right? Um, And it involves evidence such as Sansa wanted wings to help her fly out of the veil. And who else has wings but Daenerys? Exactly. And, you know, don't forget their love of lemons. Yes, because Danny's always searching for that lemon tree. And they both want to go home. Yes, they do want to go home. Well, here they are. They're home together. It's time. Yep, here it is. They're going to braid each other's hair. Yep, and you know, it's Sansa's kissed by fire. Danny is the bride of fire, as said by the House of the Undying. This is canon now, everyone. Hello. Also, (laughs) I'd like to put out there uh, the Song of Ice and Fire. There you go. Yeah, exactly. She it's really canon. is, though. And think of how many different houses she's bringing to the table with this. She's bringing Tully. In theory, I guess she'd be bringing the veil, but, you know, apparently we don't care about that anymore. But Bronze Yon was standing next to her, so maybe. And, of course, House Stark. <sighs> so, yeah, this is us. This is who we are as people. <laughs> we will never change. We will always be this way. Uh, I'm glad I've come to the dark side or the light side. I don't know what we want to call it, but I, I came to it. It's a side. <laughs> I came it's a side. To it. Oh. <laughs> it was the joke. So, <laughs> I love that John immediately says, where's Arya? And Sansa's like lurking somewhere. <laughs> typical. I imagine that's like the most sibling bullshit ever. And that is typical, Arya. Uh, just like you know, season one, episode one, she didn't want to be there slash ran around. She doesn't want to ever do things. She doesn't want to go to things ever. I mean, big mood, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. I'm like, I will meet you all in my own time. This is my goddamn house. You come to me. And then, of course, we move into holding court in the Great Hall. And Sansa has called actually all the banners and her people to Winterfell. Yeah, she wants to protect them in the long night, and obviously the numbers will survive better if they're together. Uh, Ned Umber is cute. Real cute. I just want to say he did a real cute job. He was very confused. He didn't, uh, he was like, my lady, my lord, my queen? About Daenerys? He's like, what do I, how do I, how do Your I grace. do this? Yeah, your, your grace, grace is the proper yeah. term. Yep. It, and, but he doesn't know that. He a no. boy. Yeah, he's just a boy lord, and it makes it a lot sadder when, you know, the end of this episode comes. Uh, there was a lot of interesting back and forth. I was surprised we didn't hear anything from Brienne in this episode at all. I think next episode she's going to speak up in the Great Hall. We'll get to that later. Uh, Liana Warmont, of course, went off like she does. And I'm kind of over the meme, you know, the meme-acity. The, I don't know what the word is here. The meme, the meme-ability of Liana Mormont. I'm over that, I guess. But she yeah. wasn't wrong here. I mean... She kind of berates John like, we chose you. And it, it could have been said a little more uh, eloquently, but she's not wrong, per se. Yeah, she's like leagues ahead of Ned Umber in the public speaking. And they're, what, probably 
similar-ish ages. Well, so. he's shy. Be nice to him. He's named after Ned Stark. That's true. That's true. I'm just saying that, like, you know, she's doing good for her age. True. She is. She's doing well. She is. And, yeah, I agree. She's not wrong. Um, yeah, I think they both have to remember, like, there needs to be a foundation to rebuild from is the problem. Like, yes, it's not important when the dead are on your door. But right this moment, there needs to be some sort of order and function or else afterwards it's chaos. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I guess we will go into that a little later, but I do want to call out that Sansa Stark bringing the banners into Winterfell actually reminds me of another relative of hers whom, where the fuck is he in this episode? Yeah, what happened to him? And you're, uh, he called, he didn't quite call the banners for war, but he brought all of his people into River Run because he's like, my people, they were afraid. He's trying to make sure everyone's protected. Edmure Tully is the only person to uphold that feudal contract in Westeros in the books. Like, that's it. It's Edmure. He should be the next king, personally. But wow. I'm just kidding. Very John, bold. John did it with the wild. Thank you. I am bold. My mother taught me to be bold. Uh, John did it with the wildlings. So, John and Edmure. Edmure is just as good as John, is what I'm hearing. And Sansa does have a point when she kind of says, you know, she calls it out and says, look, I didn't prepare for your giant fucking winged lizards and your girlfriend and her armies to come here. I don't have provisions for all of them because that's what John agreed to basically, you know, was to house them. I mean, that was unsaid in this sexual bang out, like you're my queen agreement. But I mean, that's what's happening. She's showing up. Her dragons are going to eat a lot. Her people are going to eat a lot. And an army without its baggage train is lost without provisions. It is lost without bases of supply. It is lost. This is in the art of war. This is this is literally there. This is uh, this is common knowledge. It's something that actually, you know, did a number on Stannis's army in season 5. And I think it's something that George is absolutely interested in exploring. I think you've seen people saying that Sansa wanting to feed these armies is kind of short-sighted because they're like there's a fucking army at, out there, but a first of all, they don't know that they're going to win. The And Sansa isn't wrong to ask these because, again, George in many ways wrote A Song of Ice and Fire to be able to explore these kinds of questions in his interview with Rolling Stone a few years ago. George said, but Tolkien doesn't ask the question, what was Aragorn's tax policy? Did he maintain a standing army? What did he do in times of flood and famine? And what about all these orcs? By the end of the war, Sauron is gone, but all the orcs aren't gone. They're in the mountains. Did Aragorn pursue a policy, a systematic genocide, and kill them? Even the little baby orcs in their little orc cradles? And he's talking about how, I know, right? Like, goddamn. It's stark. I know. It's, this is just a Rolling Stone interview. This is George asking how did... Uh, sort of exploring the issue of how did Aragorn rule peacefully for a hundred years and how was he a wise and good king and I think that the show has kind of touched on this a little but it's definitely com- coming up again and again in the books as they talk about like oh the civil war that war of five kings we had that has depleted a lot of our stores um, a lot of people are dead our fighting men are dead because they died in this war also as we discussed in our Sansa chapter episodes, that Littlefinger is kind of intentionally maybe fucking over some of the Vale Lords when it comes to those food stores so that they're dependent on him. Yes. And you also see that a way to know that George is actually 
concerned about this and therefore it makes sense for Sansa to be concerned about this is like in a Sosmic Martin from 2001 people have asked you know how are people eating in the north because it's cold and he talks about how a lot of the food is stored there's a lot of fishing towns and ice fishing as well as there being those greenhouses quote unquote glass gardens if you want to be I don't know fancy about it in the Song of Ice and Fire they're fucking greenhouses right in Winterfell and like he says, but the short answer is if the winter lasts too long, the food runs out and then people move south or starve. And then someone asks, you know, but like, what about how do people farm when it comes to bigger seasons? He's like, well, the maesters keep track of these things because there are random things like fall springs and spirit summers. And so the maesters try and monitor so that they know when to plant and when to harvest and like when to store food. Like it's why John in dance as Lord Commander is taking a loan from the Iron Bank of Bravos to buy more food. That's why he's like, oh, maybe we should also build a greenhouse like in Winterfell. Like, these are important questions in the storyline. And like, let's say they lose, then what? What are they going to do? How are they going to feed all these goddamn people and like nurse them back to health? I mean, it's just like in show zombie shows and zombie movies and like The Walking Dead, you know, post-apocalyptic. The Walking Dead, the first thing they do is find a place that they can, you know, empty out and keep as a safe haven and grow crops and you know they take over a prison at some point where they just start gardening and everybody has jobs to do and you look at we're doing Jon Snow's chapters right now on our regular book reread and you look at you know the colony that is the Night's Watch they all have jobs to make them operate to hold the wall you need the people like Sansa who funnily enough Sansa who hates sums in the book and she's garbage at math I think that's such a funny translation, but, you know, they need somebody that can do stewardship here, so let her have it. Uh, But, you know, Sansa is kind of arranging a lot of these behind-the-scenes things, and it reminds me of, you know, you can't just not pay your bills. You can't just, like, go out with your sword and fight a bunch of zombies and then not deal with the aftermath of it. Somebody has to be taking care of that, and that's what she's doing here. Yeah, so what you're saying is that it's tax day, but also, like, every time someone doesn't get fed and they starve that's just another enemy that they're gonna have to deal with when they fucking resurrect yeah absolutely absolutely Sansa's just trying not to be counterproductive here if they're gonna come back yes so then Tyrion's like all right I'm gonna try and do some PR and do some reconciliation here right now he's like it's all right, everyone. Don't worry. The Lannister army is coming. Why the fuck <laughs> would you come in to motherfucking Northern Territory and reassure them that the people that murdered, straight up murdered, the people that lived here yes, were like, coming here? Why would you say that? First off, they already don't trust Daenerys. So you are not helping her cause. You are poisoning her cause. Literally. And I think that's a thing. You mean you think it's intentional that I it's Tyrion? I think so. I think, I don't know. A, a lot of people think that Tyrion is like being, I don't know, he's being painted a different way. I, I think he's going to do some shit this season because he's been too quiet for too long. And I don't think mm-hmm. he's just going to survive to the end with no plot from here on out because that's pretty much what he's had the last season and a half, two seasons. He's just been like drunk and like the hand of the queen and given some ideas and stared forlornly at a door. Well, I think part of that is because they've painted Tyrion a little more positively in the show and the books as Makoro tells him, I see you, a shadow snarling in the midst of it all. Right. And it seems like he's going to sow chaos between like all the different factions of the dragons. But here, I think you're right. Some 
he's going to have to play like an important role somehow. I mean, they're supposed to be the really relevant and important main five or three characters in the 93 outline. Obviously, that number's expanded because George is a gardener. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't know why he thought this was going to help. And and of course, the North's going to be mistrusting. I mean, they already kind of have high standards, right? Like the Northmen, you, you prove yourself in the North. In the winter, you know, if you can't take care of your family, you walk off in the snow and you die so that your family can eat. Like, that's like normal here. That's a normal yeah. thing. Like, uh, Daenerys is just some person with these big monsters that showed up and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. We just started trusting the bastard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they trusted him before, especially because he was allegedly Ned Stark's son. So we'll see <laughs> how this all goes. But he knows them. He knows their culture. He's part of like a very respected institution in the North called the Wall, uh, the Night's Watch. But I mean, he kind of left it, but everyone pretty much understands why for some reason. <laughs> Thank God for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God. But, you know, they're all like, all right, so we follow these randos now. Like, she doesn't even go here. They're getting tossed around like a bag of potatoes, man. Yeah. And John's like, this is fine. We're fine. But everyone else is like, this is not fine. In fact, John. And Sans explains later, she's like, uh, dude, you were supposed to be king. People were following you. And I think John doesn't quite understand. He's like, what? Titles don't matter, and I think there's some truth to that, but also not, because titles obviously bequeath power in this governmental system. Yeah, leadership. It's leadership, it's like literally the law um, when it comes to monarchy, and like they chose John because he understood their culture, he fucking grew up here again, and he knew what the needs of the North were because the crown... Whether that was the Lannister, te technically Baratheon, it was the Lannister crown, right? <laughs> Wasn't listening to them and literally killing their lords. And then last time we had a Targaryen also killing their lords. And they fought a whole thing against them. And then Jon just kind of gives that up. And in doing so, he just gives up the autonomy of the North. The North is supposed to, like be sworn to follow this ruler now and like what if the rest of the people disagree with a policy decision or something like he needs to hope that he can negotiate really well otherwise like remember when ned was ordered by robert to be like you have to go kill Daenerys," or like we're gonna do this now he's like i don't want to kill kids like he says literally he's like what did we fight Ares for if not to stop the murder of children and robert's like what ifs and John would have to do that if that was his monarch. And I mean, Ned obviously resigned. Later in this episode, you know, Davos raises that the free folk are also loyal to Jon Snow, which is another example of why that autonomy matters because Jon was able to defy Stannis a little bit because the Night's Watch wasn't technically supposed to take part in some matters of the realm and was somewhat independent in terms of those like politics. But like Stannis was forcing the free folk to convert in terms of religion, in exchange for asylum from, like, the threat on the other side of the wall. But if John had had less autonomy, he wouldn't have been able to, like, do as much. Yeah. He just kind of gives it up, left and right. And I get it. He I, gives I, it up. Yeah, literally. I don't know. I think he's gonna have to face 
a lot of the consequences of that and start thinking about, you know, what you said, what happens when they don't agree with a law or a ruling that Daenerys puts down? Like, is he, I think we're going to see a little bit of conflict there. I think he's going to have a wedge driven between him and her, especially in the next episode. Uh, We'll discuss that as we get a little closer to a new visitor to Winterfell later, but I think there'll be a little wedge that gets driven there. Oh, for sure. We hit the courtyard again. We have Gendry, a quick shot of him with Dragonglass, loading it up to take to the forge. I thought that was really neat. It was a quick five-second little moment before it focuses on Tyrion and Sansa having a conversation, but liked the little nod to see the pile of Dragonglass coming from Dragonstone, which kind of reminds us this is a political alliance. Uh, not mm-hmm. John bent the knee, not only out of the respect for Daenerys and out of love, obviously, I think we know the answer there, but he also bent the knee for this dragon glass. Yeah, and that dragon ass. But ah! we know that, um, as Quinn from Ideas of Ice and Fire pointed out, like Daenerys already said she was going to help before John bent the knee. So uh, again, he gave it up. We know why. The ass. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Sansa and Tyrion have a reunion, and this is not the reunion I really wanted romantically for Sansa this episode, and I will never get that reunion, and that's fine. But Sansa- Are you fine? I'm fine. (laughs) Are you going to be okay? Sight vulture. Uh, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Sansa apologizes to Tyrion for saving her own ass slash pelt at the purple wedding, Uh, but it wasn't really- an apology, apology. I liked that it was kind of pedantic. It was like, mm, well, I, I like she said, we both survived to him about her leaving him at the wedding. And I was like, yeah. And I really like that she's not trusting Tyrion's intel in that great hall scene. You know, after Tyrion's speech, Sansa just straight up looks at him and she's like, you're fucking crazy. If you think Cersei is going to fucking support us, like you're a fucking imbecile. And even here, it's the same thing. She straight up says to him, I used to think you were the cleverest man alive. I think all of this is going to play off. I think the next episode with Jamie coming north, he's going to deliver the news Cersei isn't coming, dude. Yeah, and they're all going to be like, well, fuck. But maybe some of the Northmen will be relieved. They'll be like, good. We didn't want them here anyway. Yeah, but but Tyrion's going to look like a major asshole. Like, he's just going to look like shitty. They're going to be like, oh, okay. Well, I thought you knew that she was good. And uh, his allegiance towards his family is going to knock him then, I think. I do. I also think it's funny that Sansa says she used to think he was the cleverest man alive when book Sansa fools him while barely even trying on a daily basis. Like, she straight up is like, I'm gonna go pray in the god's wood. And then she goes off to meet up with Dantos and figure out how she's gonna escape. Yeah, and I mean, she also straight up succeeds in escaping without him. (laughs) Citation. You left me at my nephew's wedding and then I was booked for regicide. You survived. You're fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's like, we're fine, right? It's fine. Sansa Stark, dude. Some Sansa Stark. I do appreciate that Tyrion also threw the line at Sansa that many have underestimated you, but many of those people are dead or like you've outlived them all, something like that. And I think that show Cersei is very different and they are playing her as a much smarter political character. And I think that there's some sort of parallels in the way that Sansa framed Cersei last season, where she was also like, all the people, all of her enemies are dead, or something like that. 
Yeah. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. And they're painted as, like, especially in the show, they're a direct foil to each other, right? Like, they're, like, the evil queen mother, which, you know, was, like, her Snow White story-wise. That was her evil queen. And Mm -hmm. Snow White, who's so pure and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're painted just, like, as these opposite, like, characters that have this contrast that draws them to each other. And Sansa's obviously learned from her. And Sophie, on a meta level, has really learned from Cersei. And it shows in this episode. She's learned from Lena Headey's acting, I mean, because just the reveries and just the facial expressions and how Sansa will have just a moment where her lips will curl up in the scene. And I'm like, oh, damn, you learned from Lena, Sophie. Yeah, but I mean, also, Lena Headey really is an amazing actress. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's the best. She's so good. Bran and Tyrion make some crazy eye contact at the end of this scene. Sansa stalks off. Yeah, I am curious about what that means. I mean, they did used to have that interaction. You'd think that Tyrion would have come and said hi to Bran, specifically, you know, having been nice to him and designed a whole, like, saddle. But, you know, whatever. Well, you know, Things are awk now. Bran is so warm and inviting these days. Yeah, but that's never stopped Tyrion before. <laughs> yeah, but Bran is looking at him pretty weird. And I, uh, I, uh, Bran's doing this thing, this That's So Raven-esque thing, where he like, ah! Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Little Raven. I can literally cry. <laughs> Bran is going, like, doing the That's So Raven thing, where he, like, puts yeah. his hand out and he gets, like, a vision when he looks at someone. And I think oh that gosh. might be what's happening here with Tyrion. And I wonder if it's, like, we'll get after a drop. Uh, I think next episode, especially because, you know, we soon get Bran waiting outside, which we got to. I think there's some stuff happening. There's a, We got to get uh, the very end is what I want to talk about. Ugh. So flash forward. We're at the Weirwood. John and Arya's reunion. Finally. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I was waiting for it like all episode. It was beautiful. It was uh, it was I, I did. There was some stuff I could have had more of or wanted more of or whatever but i still think overall it was nice it was touching uh the stuff with needle and long claw was very like innocence innocence lost you know did you uh did you use it a couple times i think Maisie williams did an amazing job delivering that though did you notice they actually wrote aria this season i i did i appreciate it and it's nice to see it's nice to see Arya back and and it's also just nice because same as how Sophie Turner has obviously been growing as an actress so has Maisie. Yeah, it's nice to see that. I feel like they didn't give her a lot to work with last year. Yeah. They just kind of had them integrate each other, but it, it's it's more interesting seeing them together. Yeah. Uh I love that he calls her out like why didn't you come to court and she just looks at him like i would never go to court like why would she <laughs> why would you think that and she only comes to court for like executions whether it's king's landing or winterfell mm-hmm. right uh she's she, the ill in pain yeah she's late to greet the king it's just not her style and sansa's obviously come to terms with that when john asked her earlier she's like you know lurking whatever whatever she does sansa doesn't make her come to court which i think is cool it's cool. It's also very consistent with their characters from before, right? Because Sansa used to cover for Arya to Septa Mordain. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, you know, Arya's just late doing this thing and not like, oh, God, Arya's out there playing in the mud. But <laughs> she just has gotten used to like, I don't know, Arya's just not going to show up. Yep. I also, I don't know, I'm all right with this word comparing scene. Um, I like that, again, it's Sansa and Arya kind of teaming up again together. 
there's that line from Ned when he was talking to Arya way, way back then of like how he and Sansa, they're like the sun and the moon, but they are together. Now they're like, Arya said that Sansa's trying to protect their family. Sansa is the courtesy. She's the shield. She's the armor protecting their family in the north. Arya clearly, obviously, is the sword. She's literally holding the sword. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, Amanda Peet's husband and company have before said that they think Arya is vengeance in, like, a behind the thrones or whatever after the thrones thing. I think it's behind the thrones, right? I don't care. In in a behind the scenes <laughs> thing. And I don't think that's right. And I do think that they kind of nail what Needle is more in this scene. Uh, reading a quote aloud from the books, Needle was Rob and Bran and Rickon, her mother and her father, even Sansa. Needle was Winterfell's gray walls and the laughter of its people. Needle was the summer snows, old man's stories, the heart tree with its red leaves and scary face. Ooh, we're right in front of this. The warm, earthy smell of the glass gardens, the sound of the north wind rattling the shutters of her room. Needle was Jon Snow's smile. And we can see that in how Arya's acting here. Yeah, it it was great. It was just a it was a nice reunion. They did this one nicely. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that it was in front of the heart tree too. I just think it was a beautiful environment and the way their cloaks smooshed. Yes, as they hugged, when they were hugging. Nice. I know, and then she's nice. just burying her head in John's fluff. <laughs> so we also get this moment between them where John, you know, tries to rag on uh, Sansa and is like, Sansa thinks she's smarter than everyone. And Arya's like, she's the smartest person I've ever met. And John's like, oh, okay. So we don't finish each other's sandwiches anymore and say, don't tell Sansa at the same time. No, no more. And, you know, when she's like, Sansa's defending our family. And he's like, I'm your family too. And she goes, don't forget that. Oh, it's so resonant oh, with him learning his birth. It is, though. And is. I think he's just going to have to be like, so whose family am I now? <laughs> well, he's going to be so confused for a little bit. It's going to be a lot. He's going to be really angry. He's going to be upset. He's going to be disappointed. He's going to be hurt. He's going to be abandoned. He will. If you're already starting to see it here without like even that reveal. He's just like, what the fuck? Family, yeah. why? Well, let's take a break from emo town and head over to... I don't know what to call it. King's Landing, which has turned into just like... It's, Funky town. It's it's interesting. Some of it is interesting. I don't know if I love it. Some of it was bland. Uh, it was okay. Cersei's clothes are amazing. Cersei looks great. And Cersei has this like dress that has this spine on it. It's wonderful. I love it. I do love that. But mm-hmm. we open with Kyburn telling Cersei, hey, the wall's been breached. And she acts really happy about it. Yeah, I mean, misplaced priorities, all right? I guess she wants to kill her enemies off easily, but okay. Even Kyburn was like, what the fuck? Like, you're cool with this? I'm not sure, like, what she thinks is going to happen to her, but Right, like, after all these people that have all the resources to kill the White Walkers die, then what, Cersei? She's just hoping Kyburn figures something out by then. Yeah, she thinks they're going to eliminate each other, and... I there mean, has usually, to be a winner or a loser. Yeah, usually one side wins. <laughs> and one of the it, sides reanimates dead people. Yeah, so you gotta really hope that it's... The right side. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The Golden Company and Euron show up. Harry Strickland shows up and just want to take a second and say, Wow, what a man. Last season, <laughs> uh, Richard Dormer was like, My vagina's truest love. This season, 
gotta go Harry Strickland and Richard Dormer if I could be selfish for a minute. Who's Richard Dormer? Barrick. Oh! Daddy Darian. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, Daddy. With that smile, those little crinkles. Mm. Harry Strickland? More like Miles Toyn, am I right? <sighs> Harry Strickland? More like, I don't know, inside me. Uh, Yara is being held captive. In the silence, Euron leaves to go intro the queen to Harry Strickland, and he's like, bye, Yara. Uh, and then he's like, also, I'm gonna go fuck the queen, so good luck. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, this kind of still, like, irks me a little, because yep. if any of you have read the Forsaken chapter from The Winds of Winter, like, it's next level shit. Like, Euron is probably the scariest character in the storyline, more so than Ramsay, arguably, in my opinion, more scary than the White Walkers in a way, just because he's like a person and it just shows the depths of how terrible people and like twisted they can be and the things that he does just for pleasure. Yeah. And they just made his motivation so far. It seems like he's just like, yeah, I'm trying to fuck the queen. And I'm like, that's really like your character motivation? Like maybe there's more to it. And he's just nope. saying this shit to Yara. I don't know. I was like, I had I had that inkling of hope for a second where I was like, Oh, Yara's prisoner and tied to the ship. Like, are we about to get forsaken vibes in this scene? And no, he just wants to get his dick wet. Yep. That's, yep. I'm, I hurt. So let's just move on. There's nothing okay. positive for me to That's say it. about it. That's all you feel. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the throne room. Golden Company. Whatever. Harry Strickland's like, I brought you 20,000 men. And no elephants. So Cersei's God pissed. Damn. I'm oh. pi yeah, I'm mad. I'm pissed. Yeah. yeah. Give us little pussy or we riot. Little pussy the elephant. Little pussy the elephant. She's lost in the story, but also in our hearts in this story too. If apparently. we started a band, you could be little pussy and I could be little pigeon. Oh wow. We'd do like a rap duo. What we, do you think? We could. Yeah, we could. I'm not very good at rapping, but I th maybe that's part of they make auto-tune. I don't think rapping works like that. They it, make auto-tune. We could sing. <laughs> we figure it out. We're going to figure it out, everyone. All it's right, a patron so tier. We're announcing it here. Yes, it's a patron <laughs> tier. Just like the cheese cheese patron tier. Blood and cheese, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Harry leaves because he's just here to, I don't know, bring the Golden Company in fucking disappointment. But... Euron. Euron is ready to nut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes back and forth with Cersei. We get this line from Cersei that I think is a great classic line. You want a whore? Buy one. You want a queen? Earn her. Every girl in the world is putting that in their profiles on Tinder, on Instagram, on Twitter, <laughs> on everything. It's on Hinge, on it's... Coffee Meets Bagel, on What is Coffee Meets Bumble? Bagel? These are all like I'm learning about these things, like have existing. I don't know about these. I just like miss that era of dating. Me too. I got really lucky. I mean, yeah. like Tinder existed, and that was awful enough. But holy shit, what coffee meets bagel? So, first off, everyone, this is not a sponsored discussion. But, but if you guys want to sponsor us, yeah, we're in. Uh, I also Shake Shack. I had the Dracaris burger today. Very good. Not spicy. LaCroix, sponsor us. 
Yep. All the all these people were out here. Anyways. So Coffee Meets Bagel, from my understanding, it's like, okay, it's a dating app, but you somehow earn, it's gamified, uh-huh. and you can earn things, and you can send things to other people using, like, the coffee beans you earn. Mm. I don't understand it, <laughs> but this is so what I've heard. it's like flirting, dating Neopets. I think so. Okay. I think it is, in fact, like that. Like, you get some Neo points when you log in. I'm dumping my boyfriend. This sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah, you're like, we can do this now. Yeah, or I'm you dumping guys can him just and play- then I'll make him make a profile. <laughs> could- oh, yeah, there's that. You could play the game together. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Wow. 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 Almost as kinky as Kyburn, but not quite. So <laughs> I-, I really hope the mountain tears Euron apart. I know it's probably going to be Theon's kill, but... It would be really glorious if Cersei commanded him to tear Euron apart. That's what I want. I think there's something... I mean, Gregor's gotta be there for some reason, right? Like, why the fuck is he still here? You know why. Is it... Is, is there, like, um some sort of kitchenware involved? There might be. Like a, like a Like a tournament. Like a cup of sorts? It's Yeah. Yeah, like a cup. But bigger. Or like a... Mm, I don't know what they call these things. Maybe like a, a bowl of a sorts? A pot? A pot? Oh, a bowl? Oh. Clegane... Clegane Dutch oven? Oh my god. Clegane bowl is tired. <laughs> Clegane soul is wired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That'd be interesting if it were the mountain. It would just be nice if it was at Cersei's command. Yeah. Because be like, I'm done he with has shit. sex with her and it's horrible. Yeah. He makes her tell her it's good, too. Like, he's like, was it good? And she's like, sure. She's like, oh, God. Just let me go pee. Yeah, she, like, strokes his ego, and she's like, I don't want a UTI, so ta-ta. Pretty much. (laughs) As you're talking about with that line of earn her, considering that the prospect of marriage is kind of brought up again, that alliance for John and Danny, and the idea of what it takes to secure a marriage alliance or affection, it seems like this is something that's kind of running throughout the episode with these two not couples. One of them's a couple. The other is like a couple? Are they friends with benefits? Are they allies with benefits? Oh Enemies with benefits? Whatever they do, they do it. That's Oh, apparently. Yeah, they do, they do it. And we cut right over to Bronn hearing some gossip from sex workers. Uh, uh, while mm-hmm. they do it, so we kind of avoid the doing for the moment. And I, uh, I ca- didn't catch this the first time I watched it. I caught it the second time, and I was so laughing my ass off about it. But she's like that one boy Eddie, and she's like that someone goes the ginger, and she goes came back with his face burnt off. He's got no eyelids now. Well, do you remember any ginger characters that we saw on the show last season from the Lannister army named Ed? Uh, Dolores Ed. Dolores Ed ch- dyed his hair, Chloe. No, Ed Sheeran. Oh, oh, Ed Sheeran. Arya yeah. Stark's favorite musical artist, or one of them. No, that's, <laughs> it was just a- that's totally actually... an Easter egg. That's totally an Easter egg. It I is. didn't even like the first time I didn't hear it, and I was like, "Wait a second, Ginger, Ed- Eddie Sheeran." Oh shit! So yeah, Ed Sheeran came back with his face burnt off, and he has no eyelids now because of war, because of Danny. So not only can you be mad at Sam Tart for Sam Tarly, but be mad for Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Justice for Ed Sheeran. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm. I think that the no eyelids thing is pretty funny. I also want to say that I got a, some more season one vibes 
here again, seeing all these naked women again. It just felt really nostalgic. I was like, I feel like I haven't seen naked people like this in a really long time. I love it. It was almost refreshing. I was like, wow. <laughs> Fat Walda, who came on the cast during the Arianne chapters and who is a moderator with me on the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, um, her take is that the nudity actually really helps break up how everyone's only dressed up in black all the time. It, it adds some, like, diversity of clothing or not clothing in there. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Man, good times in season one and season eight now. Get, get classic. Yeah. yeah. So Kyburn interrupts the fun. He comes in to tell Bronn that the queen is going to give him a nifty crossbow and gold to go murder her brothers. And obviously this is kind of a scene to keep Drone Flynn fulfilling his contract and somehow be in King's Landing while not interacting with Lena Headey, his ex, who is the lead in King's Landing. Uh, the only way to give him a scene, so I get it, whatever. And there's this, there's a couple lines here I really want to point out that Kyburn says. A, he says that Cersei has other plans for the Targaryen girl when Bronn asks about killing her. And I'm like, oh, like giving her as a gift to Kyburn or something? That's gross. Yeah. And then he has this line about the sex worker that leaves, and uh, he says the pox will take her within a year. I'm wondering if that's any foreshadowing to anything this season. I'm wondering if we'll see any disease come. There's a lot of rumors and theories about the Dothraki possibly getting sick in the north. Uh, We see the dragons aren't adapting as well with their appetite so far, so maybe something's going to hit through all of Westeros even. Yeah, and it's kind of set up that way in the books at the very least with Grayscale and the Grey Plague. Yeah, kind sickness. of rearing its head. Yeah, sickness in general. Sickness and war. And the pale mare, of course, is taking mm-hmm. Marine, so it, that could definitely be brought over as well. That's always a risk when it comes to migration. Yeah. Um, fun fact, though, about the pox and syphilis, which is, of course, it was it was a terrifying disease for people, still is, and incredibly debilitating would just eat away at um people's like sanity and brains and make your skulls spongy and i learned this from user ducky asia on twitter and they were talking about how like yes syphilis uh was terrifying and debilitating but also before the discovery of like salverson which is one way that uh cures syphilis that was like in the early 1900s people were so desperate to cure it that they would give people malaria in the hopes that the high fever would actually kill the bacteria in syphilis because they knew about how like barriers and stuff worked by that time and malaria unlike syphilis is curable and actually the wild thing is giving people malaria to cure syphilis did work but like about one out of four people which is 25 percent of people like died of malaria but that is still like way better odds than they were before like that's just wild to me yeah, before they were just doing nothing. Yeah, but now they were giving people malaria and it works. That's that's your fun fact for the day. Wow, I had no clue. Thanks for that, yeah. Ducky and Eliana. Yeah, mostly Ducky. Brilliant. I was just like telling everyone when I found this out. I was like, what? Crazy. Ducky's brilliant. Ducky knows so oh much my about God, everything. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. I don't know half the crap Ducky knows. Yeah, and if you're interested in how like a lot of those classical myths and stories manifest in A Song of Ice and Fire, definitely follow them. Yes. Follow Ducky Asia. Really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So, 
time for some afterglow. God, these scenes were so long and I didn't care about them. And Cersei and Euron have this back and forth. She's all like, you were okay in bed. You did good. And he's like, yeah, am I the best? How was Robert? How was Jamie? So not so smooth with the ladies. And Cersei is kind of obviously putting him on here, in my opinion, because orgasms are really easy to fake. I just want to tell you all that. They're not hard to fake for girls. They're not. Yeah, I do think, though, that Cersei should tell the men when they fail her. Except Cersei's living in a society where that's frowned upon because she's supposed to please men. Eh, I don't know. I think I think you're on, you know, you gotta earn her. Yeah, well, he's never gonna earn her, and she needs his shit, so. So it goes. Yeah. She's using him, so she's gotta use yeah. him, I guess. Um, I don't know. Unless, do you think he's gonna leave now that he's finally fucked the queen? No, I don't think so. And if he does, I don't know. I, who knows? He's gonna die. I don't know how, but he's gonna die, and it's gonna be in the next couple episodes. Thank God. Thank the gods. <laughs> uh, the old gods. In the new. Indeed. So then we go back to the docks at King's Landing. And there's like this mini scuffle scene and people are sprouting arrows in their faces. And turns out it's Theon rescuing Yara out there in the docks of King's Landing. They're just there? At nighttime, like night's fallen and Euron's busy like banging the queen, so they just take them unawares. And I get it. All he gives the speech to Yara about how his crew are mutes, but this is lazy. Like they have a whole army of twenty thousand men out there right now, right? The Golden Company are Euron's technically. Like yes, he brought them to the queen, but they're probably out there guarding his shit. So this is just so uncompelling. It's like the. Like, I get they wanted to get this scene between Yara and Theon, which is a great scene that comes up next where they discuss, you know, like, coming home and all that. But uh, I didn't care about the before. And the Ironborn scenes always kind of do that. They just don't care about the Ironborn scenes. They don't. Yeah, I did appreciate that Theon was using his archery again and we're getting that idea that he might be able to do that again despite missing fingers. But it was a little, the setup wasn't really there. It was a little fast. Yeah, but I like the absolutely. idea of Yeah, Theon. I love the idea, but... Needed yeah, a little... It was, like, yeah. over in two minutes, and it was like, oh, that was fun. Oh, yeah, so just like Cersei and Euron. I... <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I'm proud of me. I loved the back and forth when Yara was like, go home to your Starks. Like, go on. I know that's what you want. Yeah. Iron Islands will still be there. You do that. And then she also said, you know, that the Iron Islands will be a safe haven where the White Walkers can't come. So I personally was gunning for the Eerie, especially mm. because, and this is my first problem, I was using the books, uh, but like Shara and Ronald Aaron and Visenya, for example, and mm -hmm. the Eerie being impregnable and that idea that you could just fly people up there. Um, I know, guess it really wouldn't work well since they've closed the castle up and everything, but. And there's an ice dragon. Yeah, absolutely, and there's a nice dragon. But in the show, it could work well, in my opinion. I don't know. It was an idea. Yeah, it's an but idea. But the Iron Islands? Also an idea. I mean, Pike is, and its spires are high up, but we also have uh, the hard home stuff goes down a little differently, of course, in the books, and Cotter Pike ride, writing to John and saying dead things in the water. So, I mean, I just, if you're dead, why can't you swim? Yep. Why not? Just imagine not? imagine that wonderful scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where the pirates 
are walking through the moonlight. That's that's them going to oh the Iron God. Islands. It's an amazing scene. I refuse to pretend that it's not. It's iconic. <laughs> so there's Karstark sigil discussion again. And I, I don't know. I take it as Alice going to die. We open up back at the courtyard in Winterfell. You have Alice Karstark chatting with people in there. And you have Tyrion and Varys and Davos walking together discussing the Karstark sigil. So I don't know. I just That's a lot of focus on Alice. And obviously we kill off Ned Umber this episode. So I'm guessing there goes Alice Karstark. I can't think of the Karstark sigil now after going through the Chris watches Game of Thrones. <laughs> fucking reviews, like yes reviews slash image image uh albums if you guys haven't checked these out it's like season eight where the fuck have you been first of all they're so good they're, and you have eight seasons now to get watching through that's so. true they're hilarious uh chris kind of takes these screenshots from the show superimposes hilarious things and for the car strike sigil what she put over it is like it looks like a bleached asshole it does. And that's all I'm going to think about now. Yep. Yep. It's true. That's all I can think about. Yep. Davos, Tyrion, and Varys discuss a John and Danny alliance. And I just want to put it out there. Davos is obviously the better hand. Oh, for sure. I mean... Like, choose a hand. I choose Davos. Oh, absolutely. He's less so sure of his own, I guess... Ness. No. Yes, Ness and knowledge and therefore <laughs> has that humility that allows him to try and be like, no, this is the right thing to do. We gotta do this thing. I mean, the the real truth of it is they both have job experience and Tyrion is just like when they bring in a young guy to do an old guy's job, you know, like for less money. So Yeah, and he's I'm just says, kidding, it's literally the opposite of that, but he says as much he's like Davos is way older than me. Um yeah. Yeah, he says that like eight times in this episode. He calls him old. I'm like, whoa, bro. He's not that Shut old. Up, leave him alone. Yeah, he's really not that old. Yeah. So they're watching Danny and John walk the yard, and we zoom back into Danny and John, and Danny is upset that John's sister doesn't like her. And she's like, Sansa doesn't need to be my best friend, but I'm her queen. If she can't respect me, trails off. Okay, I have a problem with that because to me, that means that the show's trying to paint Daenerys in a negative light too like Sansa really just raised valid points about food storage and that they didn't expect this much gonna be consumed right like that's she told Danny the north was hers she smiled she was courteous uh, that's the sign off of her that I'm not your friend but I respect you that's probably the extent of how she acted toward Daenerys in my opinion I don't really think she was I don't know I think it's stupid it's just stupid and contrived yeah they there's that and combined with the line of combined with the line of Danny being snarky of like dragons will eat whatever they want. It's it's just kind of off for her character and granted at the end of dance she does seem like she's on a darker path of choosing violence over peace to accomplish her goals but it's like this is Danny in the last dance chapter. Drogon killed a little girl. Her name was her name Danny could not recall the child's name. That made her so sad that she would have cried if all her tears had not been burned away. Like, Danny's not just like, yeah, dragons are going to eat whatever they want. She's actively worried about them eating people whatever that they, they shouldn't. Yeah, not just whatever <laughs> they want. Like, she doesn't... Like, the veiled threat is always there, right? Yeah. But it, it's... 
Danny from the beginning of Dance would weep at the idea of that. And I think it's fine for her to be saying that they eat whatever they want, but I do think we're wavering a little in how we're like portraying her. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is I'm trying to figure out if it's inconsistent and bad writing or if they hate Danny and woman or if just like Danny's a villain now. Like, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. Are they taking her that route now? Uh, what's happening here? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out maybe by the end of the season. It'll be. Yeah, it's a little confusing. I do think that in the books, she's definitely going down a more ambiguous route. I think that if they wanted to paint her as being like concerned about getting the approval of the North. Maybe she should have said to John instead of being like, Oh, your sister doesn't like me. Like who gives a shit if his sister doesn't like you, right? You're a queen. She should be like, your people don't like me. Like the entire room, the entire room that we were in, they were all like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And I do get that Sansa is the lady in the North. So like how she acts is going to cause how our people act. But I mean, she's speaking for them. This is what they're saying to her. It's not just what she's saying. You know, they're saying they're voicing these same concerns. And it goes back to what you said, you know, like what's going to happen when their people don't agree with the law. Is John going to be ready to face off against that? It's a lot to chew off. Yeah. Also, it's confusing. Is he Lord? Is Sansa Lady? Who's ruling? Yeah. Yeah. Sansa's Lady. That's for sure. Oh. And Arya's Nymeria. And then Danny is told by her Colossar that her dragons are barely eating. So that seems important. I mean, whatever they want. What if they don't fucking want anything? Yeah, she says they don't like the North. And it's like, so where can they get an easy food source? I mean, by the end of episode... Okay, so obviously episode two, three, they start the battle probably at the end of episode two, I'm guessing. So episode three, they have a lot of bodies they can probably deal with, but they'll be dead. So that won't taste good. But people that die, I mean, they could eat those. And I don't know that I just don't know where this food source is going to come from. I have a feeling I have a feeling that Cersei is going to be sending the Golden Company north. Mm-hmm. If there were some elephants, that would be a good food source, maybe. Yeah, but at least there could be some uh, Lannister soldiers. That's a better food source, that's, in my opinion. That's true, Eddie. Eddie with kind of gamey. No eyelids. I don't know <laughs> if we take. Uh, oh, never mind. I'm not gonna go into the cannibalism oh talk again. Anyway, <laughs> so then they go and then they ride the dragons. Yes, and I do like this scene. Uh, I think, of course, John gets on Regal. I think it would have been more touching if he had already known his parentage. But the score is nice. The dragons are beautiful. Ghost is probably going to die this season. There was nice characterization, tiny bit of chemistry, and that obvious feeling of tragedy that kind of surrounds their romance. Uh, whether or not they live, there's still like obvious sacrifices that will have to be made. The score just mixes their general themes together nicely. Ramen outdid himself. It's untitled, I think, still, because the season 8 OST will reveal spoilers, but it was nice. They're the song of ice and fire. I get it. Yeah, I also like the joke that Danny makes when he's like, what if the dragon doesn't want me to get on? She's like, then it was nice having your company. You're like, nice knowing you, Jon Snow. Um, I like also what poor Quentin says of the scene where Jon is riding his dad. You're welcome. Yes. I inspired that. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was it was something the internet needed. Um, 
there are a lot of people, I guess, who didn't like the scene as much. And I don't know. Yeah. As I, I thought it was perfectly fine. No, I was, was like, fine. this is fine. Um, I thought it was very good at conveying John's point of view because I, watching it, was like, if I were John, I was like, I no, we need to stop this right now because we need to get off this dragon. This is terrifying. Apparently, Kit Harrington, <laughs> he has like this small clip interview uh, on Twitter where he says that apparently, I think it was like his left or maybe it's his right. I don't know. One of his nuts got cut <laughs> as he was getting ready to do Ow. the scene and as they were filming it and it's like they're on basically this like mechanical bull looking thing and like there are fans and stuff blowing and he's just so uncomfortable oh, and in just so oh much no. pain throughout the scene Man. Uh, poor kit that sucks oh my Ow. god kit harrington we get a we should have stayed in that cave moment daenerys and john make out and they likely bang it's like an off-screen little thing, so that's the whole thing. Good good for them. At least we didn't have to watch it. That was tasteful. Yeah, yeah. Not in the first episode, you know? Maybe another episode we'll get a good romantic sex in, but not this time. We needed a break. Yeah, not on the first date. We just needed, like, wanton naked bodies at some point. Yeah, keep it original. I do, I do, uh, I do feel sad, though, with that callback. Of the yes, egret. yes. <laughs> As you were saying, it feels doomed. Yeah, it does feel doomed. Someone's gonna die, or someone's something's gonna happen. I will say that it's something that I think is a little missing in the show that I think will be there in the books. Is you know, if she's out here just making outward references unintentionally to his dead ex lover, of like we should have stayed in that cave. Like, how is John not like giving pause of like, oh shit? And I do think that they would exchange stories at some point about their dead lovers. I would hope so, because that's like part of a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Is talking about your exes eventually and like feeling comfortable enough with each other to do that. So they haven't really had that growth. I hope they have. It's something private. Yeah, that they have in common. Yeah. Dead exes from not what you'd expect in Westerosi civilization. You know, they're uh, banging out there. They're getting what they want, whether it's Westerosi, I don't know, Dothraki. Man, what if Jon Snow hooked up with the Dothraki, you know? Oh. I mean... Ooh, like a, like an eerie and John fanfic. I could read that. Oh, uh, yeah. Or uh, J- Jiki. Yeah, ooh, be... Jiki and John. Yeah, they could call it Jonki. Ooh, jonky, like a donkey. <laughs> oh my fucking god, never mind. You know, this is like one, this is a reunion scene coming up. And so first we have Sandor and Gendry bullying each other uh, after getting an obsidian axe. Sandor gets an obsidian axe made for him from Gendry and Arya shows up while Sandor is gently bullying Gendry and she tells him to leave off, which, interesting reunion. I don't really feel emotional about Sandor and Arya's reunion. He does say a nice little thing like, you're a cold bitch, aren't you? Well, that's probably why you survived. I don't know. We're never going to get the Stark dog reunion that I want to get. So I don't, I don't, yeah. don't even want to think about this. We're never, we're not going to get a Sansan reunion. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not happening. You know that, right? You're probably you know not. They're not even going to look at each other this season. You're probably not. And it's kind of funny that that's all he says to Arya because like he had that whole like conversation with Brienne about Arya in King's Landing mm-hmm. last season. But they, so- where they didn't mention Sansa. I heard like all these theories that maybe Arya will go off with him and they'll go to King's Landing and he'll defeat his brother and she'll kill Cersei or some shit with Jamie's face. No, it's not that deep. I mean, it might actually. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't know. 
I think we have to accept that Jamie's not going to kill Cersei, and Tyrion's probably not going to kill Cersei. I mean, I don't know. they might, like, with this whole brawn crossbow plot thing that's happening. My god. I don't know what to think anymore. It's anyone's game. Wow. <laughs> game on. Game on. So, we get to the most important part of the episode, which is Gendry and Arya doing some flirting. Yes. Okay, I actually really love this. Yeah. Oh my god, I yelled out loud. I, I yodeled. It was the cutest. I, uh, I was so excited. It was, it's everything we've all been wanting. At least give us something. Yeah, that's true. And this was something. Yeah, he calls her Lady Stark, and she's like, don't call me that. And he's like, as you wish, lady." Whoa! Okay, as the creators of everything canon in this universe and the approvers, Girls Gone Canon, I would like to approve that Gendria is officially canon. As you wish, if you know, don't know, or know, means I love you from the Princess Bride. That's what yes. it means. That's the literal translation in fantasy literature and in fantasy writing, whether it's TV, movies. I mean, go on TV tropes, okay? Like, that's mm-hmm. literally, as you wish means I love you. Yes, it really does, especially from someone who's like, I don't know, a little more lowborn and then like things like that. It's it's a thing. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. It's canon. Yes. And I mean, I've prepared a song for this, if oh. you don't believe me. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to sing this yet. The song's from the books. Oh. Regalus. Is it the song of Ice and Fire? It should be, but it's not. It is the song of I have a, do- a son, you have a daughter, we'll join our houses. The song by Robert Baratheon. Uh, I'm actually just going to read it. I'm not going to sing it. I don't know how to sing this. Are you sure you don't want to practice rapping it for um, oh Little Pigeon and Little Pussy? Yeah, Little Pigeon and Little Pussy. I'm not going to rap this, Eliana. Oh, okay. Okay, nice try, though. <gasps> My feather bed is deep and soft, and there I'll lay you down. I'll dress you all in yellow silk and on your crown. For you shall be my lady love, and I shall be your lord. I'll always keep you warm and safe and guard you with my sword. Slash axe. Slash Slash bat. Slash hammer. Yeah, slash hammer. Beautiful. Beautiful. It is. Thank you for listening to my spoken word. (laughs) Your spoken word poetry. Yes. Um, It does remind me of this time. So in Balticon 2016, a user on Reddit named Lydia Lamont had asked George about Arya and Gendry and apparently they asked about Arya and Gendry instead of their OTP I I don't remember who their OTP is and George actually replied saying I'll visit them again but I don't want to spoil anything for you they're still very young so more or less that meeting again is confirmed which means it's gotta mean something and mm. like they're gonna fuck when they're old enough yeah much older much older much older but then they are yeah yeah it does (laughs) Yep. <laughs> uh, skinny black girl on Twitter, Slim VP, one of our followers, love interacting with her, sent to us, where the hell did Arya learn to flirt so expertly? And the answer Arya. is the Winds of Winter Mercy one. Oh my god. <laughs> Stick them with your pointy end, Arya. Uh, uh-huh. I was gonna say the courtesans in Bravos off screen, but wow. I don't know. I when mean, I flirt with guys, I also use my sword to floss between their bones, so. Sometimes they... You just gotta learn to repeat their words back at them. Apparently that's what they like, and then kill them out of vengeance. You know, it just reminds me of uh, Chicago. You know, then he ran into my sword. He ran into it oh, wow. ten Oh, yes. <laughs> he had it coming. Where is the gold? 
Where is it? Where is it? Where is, is golden, it? Is yeah, is there gold in the village? How much? How much? How much? Ugh. That's flirting, right? So speaking of flirting, we move away from the forge's sexual tension and uh God damn we move it. into the sexual tension oh with brother, God. sister, cousins, John and Sansa. Oh my god, that that Vulture article we were all citing earlier from Rachel. Uh, so she talks about it, she's like, yeah, and Sansa wants to peg John. Yeah, uh, Rachel, Handler, oh my god. our hero, says that oh Sansa god. wants to peg John, so I love that. Oh my, oh my god. god. Rachel Handler, guest on our show, please. <laughs> we uh, end up with them, they're arguing, right, a little bit. She's all like, you know the North has beef for a reason. Do you love her or what the fuck? Like, why did you actually bend the knee? Because he's like, why don't you like my girlfriend? Because <laughs> John, you know, is very, uh, very self-esteem filled. He, he has to know why. So they make eye contact. They're all like angry with each other and blah, blah, blah. And she like asks him straight up, like, do you love her? And he's like, stares. And then it cuts to the library and Danny and Jorah are walking through the library. This is a no TP, by the way. We do not want them to fuck. Oh, yeah. ew. No. Yeah. No. Also, there was no interaction between Jorah, Mormont, and Lyanna Mormont? Weird. Missed opportunity. Maybe it'll come later, but is someone going to call that out? If there's anyone, if there's anyone I want to see drag Jorah, it's her. Yeah. We keep her around for this moment. Yeah. Anyway, so they're in the library, and of course they find Samuel Charlie in there, because that's like what he does, hangs out in the library. Yeah, and uh, Danny's all like trying to compliment him for saving Jorah. She's doing some PR. She's like, I promise to make changes at the Citadel after all this is over. There must be something I can give you. And I'm like, Horn Hill. You can give him Horn Hill because yeah. you already have given it to him. Because congrats, here she is giving him Horn Hill because it's his family. It's dead. His brother and his dad, they're dead. Including the older brother. Who was the reason he got sent to the Night's Watch? Because his <laughs> oh older brother was the heir, but Sam was still oh a threat slash heir. It's very confusing. It, it makes sense in the books, but <laughs> oh my god, we're yeah. The the joke here, everyone. You all know this, but whatever. Sam is the older brother, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, oh god. Anyway, we actually just did those chapters, and they're some of our favorite chapters. Where Sam first makes his appearance. I will say that I do think that something like this goes down where um, there's that awkwardness between Sam and Danny for her killing Randall, Tarly, and Dick and Tarly because, like, as our friend Brendan B. Fish has pointed out in his Blood of the Conqueror series, which you should definitely check out about um, Aegon the Sixth, not this Aegon the Sixth, the other Aegon the Sixth, uh, the one who. M- is also known as Young Griff. Randall Tarly is set up as a pretty great military strategist in the books, and uh, Jeff makes the argument that Tarly might ally with Young Griff as a way to like reclaim his wounded pride. And like, sure, in the show, Randall Tarly sides with Cersei, but I think in the books that's going to go down a little differently because we know that Randall Tarly is a very blatant misogynist. Yep. He's not. He doesn't seem like he'd ally himself with a queen who was paraded naked through the streets. He's like, there's no way he'd ever respect her after that. And he's pretty unlikely to respect Danny too. He's going to be like, um, I don't understand why you're out here on dragons or trying to fight, like, based on how he reacted to Brienne in the books where he's all like, mm-hmm. wash your vagina out with lie. Yeah. Um, that's some very, very serious, very serious suggestions. I mean, 
Randall, Randall wants to be the new Lord of the Reach. That is what it is. He and does. And the Tyrells are over with. No matter what happens here, we know they're going to be done for in the books. They're connected to the Lannisters. Lannisters will fall. So uh, I think we'll definitely see this in the books. Absolutely. Some sort of version of this. Yes. And like, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to see some version of that. There's probably going to be a kerfuffle between him and Danny. But of course, as we pointed out, Dick and Tarly is the younger brother of Sam. And like in the books, he's not any more than like 13 years old he's like probably around 10 or 13 ish um we don't have the exact year of birth but it's gonna be a lot more impactful um i think that the way that they played the scene with john bradley being affected by his father's death was was oh, yeah, good. all the awards but uh, yeah i he did an amazing performance but like in the books we're gonna be exploring how like dickon was just so young and like since book one we've been setting up this idea of like ned is standing up against robert again like being like oh didn't we fight Ares to stop the murder of children? And then, like, there's all the, we don't kill kids, and we're not about the death of innocence. So that's going to be represented by Daenerys potentially killing Dick and Tarly in the books. So Sam leaves the library discussion. He goes out to the courtyard. He's freaking out. He almost gets run over by a cart out there. And then he sees Bran looking stoic. So he decides it's a great chance to go chat with him. And Bran tells him he's waiting for an old friend. I knew as soon as he said that yeah. line. I knew. I knew who he's talking about. I didn't. I was like, is he talking about Sam? I was like, that's a strange, no. strange choice. And then it happened. And I was like, oh. But I was also like, so Bran doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. How long has he been waiting out here? <laughs> I also love how petty Bran is. that He waited out there all night just so he could be the first person to meet Jamie Lannister at the gates. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. He, like, got all dressed up and he looked. To look like, you know, it was effortless. He tried it out a bunch of times. Brand is straight up living this bitch like it's a reality (laughs) show. He's like, I'm here to cause the most drama and survive till the end. Yeah. He's like, I am not here to make friends. He's just... I can imagine him trying out all these different poses, being like, which one looks more badass? But JK, he doesn't have any more feelings in the show. Anyway. And he doesn't have a lot of poses he can do. So... That's true. Brand tells Sam to go tell John the truth of his parentage. And Sam doesn't really need any convincing... So he goes down to the crypts. He emotionally trips into the crypts. <laughs> he straight up just falls. Very, it's kind of cute. Very I Sam Tarly. Really like that. Yeah. I love that. Love it. And he tells John about his dad and brother being killed by John's girlfriend. And then he's like, "By the way, you know you're the king, right? Like you know you're the king. You were lied to your entire life. Your mom was Liana. Very long beat. Your dad. Very long beat. The dad who splurted into Liana. Yet another long beat." was Rhaegar. I just want to make sure we know how many beats were in this because, like, he should have led with Rhaegar was your dad because John's looking at him like, what do you mean? Liana's my I- mom. <laughs> I just wish that there was a quick moment of, like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> when he says, like, Liana's his mom, he's like, are you saying that, like, my dad fucked his sister? Like, I, he should just be more appalled in that moment. Like, what? Oh my god. Yes, I agree. Should have led with Rhaegar. <laughs> and he's like, your name's Aegon, by the way. And he's like, what the what the fuck? And Danny's claim is cool, but yours is cooler. It's ice cold. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, <laughs> okay, now John. Yeah, uh, we got a message from Jerry Rodriguez from the Hype's Watch uh, on Girls Gone Canon Twitter. And he asked, if John thinks Robert's rebellion was based on a lie after what Sam told him, do you think that's true? John doesn't know what to think, bitch. 
Uh, I just, how's he gonna think with all his blood in his dick? I don't know. Yeah, like one second Daenerys is giving him a handy on a dragon, the next second he's in the crypts finding out about his parents. That's one way to join the Mile High Club, you know? Get out. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <sighs> the, We're here all season. Oh my god, the teasers show him in front of Lyanna's crypt next episode, so there's gonna be some anger, resentment, disappointment, and abandonment in the next episode. We're gonna get moody, John. And, you know, Sam in this scene, kind of just to go to the books for a second, he kind of reminded me of Maester Yendel from the Blackfire Rebellion here, right? A maester that kind of provoked a war to start and provoked a claim over another. Oh. A, a kingmaker, if you will, like Kristen Cole. Wow. In all black True. Fair, yeah. Wow. Well, and it's kind of a great parallel if Sam is playing kingmaker here because he, again, John wasn't a king, but he's... The reason John ended up rising in the Night's Watch and became Lord Commander. So he's just doing it again. Yeah. And you have that parallel with Kristen Cole, you know, the Kingsguard versus the Night's Watch, right? The the black versus yeah. the white. Uh, I think that kind of works here. And they are really incorporating a lot of these Dance of the Dragon uh, thematics just a bit in here. Just a bit. So we finally get to Last Hearth. Finally. 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 It's last. But not really. It's second to last. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so Tormund and Beric and a bunch of randos. Um, I expected them to get popped immediately. I was very surprised they did not. Yeah, same. I was I was waiting. Like, everything got quiet. I was like, where's the jump scare? It went I mean, so it was... horror so fast. I knew it would. I but... know. It didn't go the way that I thought it would, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, yeah. So they're out here. They're at Last Hearth, and they're just touring it. Yeah, no, no foreshadowing involved in the name of Last Hearth whatsoever, right? Uh, something has to go down there in the books. It's oh, literally, yeah. this is your last stop on the crazy train. So stop to pee, grab a snack. This is your last hearth. Like, that's literally what it is. Yeah, it's that, it's that rest stop, you know? Yeah, and it's so dark in this scene. You can't see anything for a while. I can't believe Beric didn't light his sword ahead of time. Also, I was thinking that like would have really helped also for the viewers, but they stumble into Ed and the other brothers of the watch. I love that cute line that Tormund and Ed have back and forth that Ed's like, oh, he has blue eyes. And he's like, I've always had blue eyes. Uh, yeah, I actually really love that moment. It was a it was a great way to break that tension. And then I also just love the way Dolores Ed like acted like he realizes what's going on. He goes, oh, and just oh, relaxes. It's it's very cute. Yeah, but things aren't cute for so long. No, they're not. And then this becomes the Dead Space video game, and weird shit starts happening. All right. Yeah. We come across this weird culty White Walker circle of arm, leg pieces, whatever, surrounding Ned Umber, who's pinned to the wall in the center because the White Walkers went to Columbia for two years and dropped out, apparently. Uh, yeah. And Ned is totally a callback to the creepy girl in episode one of the entire series here. The creepy little girl with the blue eyes, uh, his yes. eyes pop open and he lets out this high pitched scream uh, and they have to burn him and he keeps screaming for a little bit and it's awful. But the, the legs sound really good. They remind me of turkey legs from Renfair. Oh my God. And it sounds delicious. Have you ever had one? They're so good. I have. They're really difficult to eat, though. They have like all those like long things in them. And then like you're just this like, sounds oh. like a you problem. This is a me problem. <laughs> 
Um, speaking of problems, I like how Ian Thomas Malone asks, how did they get all of these limbs? Were they just keeping them somewhere in a freezer <laughs> to make this art? It, it comes in the freezer where they also store their chain link. Oh, that, yes. That's where they the store their screws and pins, too, for keeping uh, people on the wall. So that's how they do it. They have an right. arts and crafts fridge toolbox. They really do. They've practiced this quite a few times. And that's what the first few pieces are. Now they finally got into a gallery. I'm real proud of them. They really came into their own style, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really great to see the evolution of it. I mean, for a while it was a total Monet, but... Yeah, before like they were using all these other colors out there but now they're they're really making a statement with those repetitions also love that one you all might have seen it on twitter the person who's like game of thrones spoilers with no context it's just fucking fried shrimp around a fucking <laughs> like think of ketchup doesn't it sound delicious <laughs> the turkey legs oh my god the turkey legs fried shrimp i'm still thinking about the turkey legs i want to make them god. i looked up recipes today I'm like, oh. on it. I'm going to grill some. So Seems like an endeavor. It is. It, it's probably not worth it. I'll just go to Ren Faire this summer. <laughs> Keep it special. Yeah. You know, it keeps it special. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we go back to Winterfell once more for the episode. Yes, we do. And then a strange hooded figure looks very, very distinguished, comes in and it's obvious who it is, and the, especially when he makes his dismount and he has his frigid arm and it's Jamie Lannister oh shit didn't see that one coming and who is there to greet him but Brandon Stark himself wow yes just waiting at the gates <laughs> waiting all night trying to act cool literally like showed up it's so just cold so he could ask Jamie to give him a push yeah, people are like, man, he must have been so cold being out here. I'm like, mm, he was north of the wall for a long time. This is normal for him. Yeah, this is obviously just normal. Uh, nothing nothing new here. Yeah, so I, this is a nice cliffhanger for next week, for sure. For sure. Yes. Uh, we all know that next week, the beginning of that drama before, I mean, they're all prepping for this battle. The The whites are coming south. We literally hear Beric and Tormund in the teaser talk about how you know they ask him how much time do we have before they come so there's not going to be a lot of time to really judge jamie in my opinion uh, a lot of people are like oh is there going to be a trial i don't think there's going to be a trial i think between bran brienne and sansa sticking up for jamie uh bran not necessarily sticking up for but at least saying you know hey his actions saved the city believe it or not he's not a bad person uh, I've come to be over it, you know. If he hadn't pushed me, I wouldn't develop these powers. Whatever, however, it's going to be worded, and eventually Daenerys won't be able to really say much about it. This will also probably put a wedge between the Northern crew and Daenerys even farther, and then we have the Tyrion problem. Jamie's going to come north mm. and tell everyone that Cersei's not coming and that Tyrion's a big fat liar, and that he was either fooled or he lied, and the Northerners aren't going to really trust. Daenerys's hand of the queen no they're not and I mean it's difficult right because that's something that Tyrion has been hoping for throughout all of these seasons in his character he just wants to be acknowledged and respected and he's gonna lose all that yeah it's not gonna make his character happier uh, we see how he does with failure so I don't foresee this going well for his character uh, and for his further characterization. And there's that look, that knowing exchange that Bran looks at him and Tyrion looks back. Mm -hmm. So 
I wonder what's coming. I want to know what's coming. There's got to be more here. I think next week we're going to get a lot of good underlying shadows of that. Yeah, you're also going to have another contrast with Jamie Lannister. And granted, this character has had some reconciliation with a couple of the other Starks already. But you're going to have... You're going to be able to compare how Bran acts with Jamie Lannister and then how he acts with Theon Greyjoy cool. making his way back in. So I'm interested to see. And uh, I wasn't as excited. Maybe it's because I was sick all weekend. I wasn't really excited for this necessarily as like I wanted to be. But now I kind of am uh, just getting through every scene again, watching it a second and third time. I'm starting to get a little hyped. Next week's episode is going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I actually don't watch the trailers and teaser trailers because I'm trying to go into it, you know, innocent, unspoiled. Ew. Un- unspoiled, <laughs> unbent, unbroken. Ew. All right. Oh my god. Okay, well, this has been great. Thank you guys for coming. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> our first show episode. Uh, we kind of did a relaxed, laid-back version of what we usually do, analyzing scene-by-scene scene. Just getting through everything. Uh, as these episodes get longer, we may clip down a little bit, so watch out for that. But as always, thanks for joining us. If you haven't checked out our regular podcast that we run every week outside of show season, uh, right now we're doing a book reread. We're doing by point of view character. We're currently in Jon Snow's chapters. We've done a handful of other characters, so check it out. You can check that out on any place that you listen to a podcast. Yep, and if you've liked this episode or you want to keep track of those other episodes, be sure to subscribe to us on platforms such as Google Play, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can also find us on our Patreon. We post all of our episodes there as well as special patron-only episodes for $5 and up patrons. Uh, We offer patron tiers starting at $1.00 with rewards being things like show notes and other patron-only posts, and that tier keeps going. There are other tiers that we offer some other fun stuff, so please check it out. We will be putting out a Game of Thrones-themed episode this month for our patron episode. We'll have a pretty special guest for that, so we're excited to announce that. Stay tuned next week to hear about that. And, of course, part of the great joy of the last season is getting to watch it with everyone and discuss it. So like, let us know if you have any thoughts, be sure to subscribe to us or hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter as at girls gone Canon, or you can shoot us an email. We actually do check our emails um, over at girls gone Canon at gmail.com. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. You can find me on the internet as Liza Narber on Twitter, Tumblr, and LizaNarberGold.com. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana, and you can find me on the internet as Glass Table Girl or as Arithmetric, depending on where you are. Thanks so much, guys. See you next week. Goodbye.